Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Amen. I invite you to have a seat this morning and to be turning to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Today is the fourth week of our current teaching series here at Coastal Oaks called Kingdom, uh, in which we're exploring some of the teachings of Jesus which give us a glimpse into how things work in his kingdom. And we've already been on quite a journey, actually. We started off by establishing from Matthew 6 that there's a clear order and rule uh, in Jesus' kingdom. We we said things like, uh, the kingdom has a king and you and I aren't it. And we're going to be reminded of that truth a little bit today. We we looked at the key principles of humility that children show us uh, as far as operation within the Jesus' kingdom. Uh, Last week, we looked at how forgiveness... Uh, by the atoning sacrifice of Christ is the mindset, it's the, the lens, it's the frame, so to speak, uh, by which kingdom people operate. And today we go together to, chat to Matthew 20 as we seek to discover or reacquaint with that which Christ intended when he taught about his kingdom. And just in the way of a reminder as we get started this morning, this is not, uh, we don't study this, this, this uh, series, we don't study scripture in general, uh, just so that we can accumulate knowledge. The, the point of studying scripture is to put it into practice. It's practical application. And so when we're studying about the kingdom, the point is not so that you can leave here knowing about the kingdom. The point is so that you can leave here and be the kingdom, okay? That, that's the point. That's where we're going in all of this, and I hope that you understand that. It's to be an active, healthy extension of Christ's heavenly kingdom. And, and really, church, honestly, we need to understand this. That, that's all God wants of us. He doesn't want anything else, just to be wholly resolved by faith through Christ Jesus today. When I was in college, I worked uh, for a time uh, as an assistant restaurant manager at a place called Chubby's in Marshall. That's where I went to school. Uh, wasn't a great place, and I really was very underqualified to be uh, an assistant manager. But at that point, uh, it was all about who I knew. And my best friend was the general manager, so he got me a job. Ne- never worked in a restaurant at any point in my life, and so here I go. I'm the assistant manager. Uh, and it was kind of a brief time. It ended with me getting fired. It was one of those things in life, and, you know... <laughs> Um, it is what it is at this point. Um, uh, let's just say I never went into it thinking I would make a career out of being in the restaurant business. Um, but I noticed, as, uh, you know, at the start of each shift, I, I was a college student. We hired college students. Uh, at, the, at the start of each shift, the, the students would come from class. Some of them would have come from the gym. Some of them would have come from different places, and they weren't quite in the right uniform. We had a uniform, uh, and that you had to wear black slacks and a white button-up shirt. Uh, and some of them would come in that, but that still wasn't all of the uniform. So maybe they would disappear into the restroom for a few minutes and get changed and come back out. There was still one piece they were lacking until they went in the back. We had hooks in the kitchen back there, and they would go and grab either a half or a whole apron. That was the sign. When the servers put on the apron, that was the sign that they were saying to me as the manager or whoever else was manager on duty for that particular shift, I'm ready. I'm ready to serve. I'm going to make it count. Uh, people are coming. I'm, I'm going to do my best to serve them well. I think that picture, at least for me, paints a good picture for us today in the church of what it means 
to, to be in dress code, so to speak, uh, in the kingdom. So that's what we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Let's read together. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Verse 3, at 9 o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever is right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard, and at noon, and again at 3 o'clock, he did the same thing. Verse 6, at 5 o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again, and he saw some more people standing around, and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? Verse 7, they replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with those who were hired last. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. Verse 11, when they received their pay, they protested to the owner, those people only worked one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Verse 13, he answered them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? And verse 16 really brings it home for us today. So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I think this gives us a really good framework for where we need to go today. And I, I just see three simple truths. I, I'm kind of a simple guy. Three is a good number for me. I hope it is for you because that's where we're going today. As we seek to, to be familiar with the kingdom dress code today, number one, right off the bat, we need to see that in the kingdom, the king has an active agenda. In the kingdom, the king has an active agenda. We've already touched on this a little bit through the weeks uh, as we've highlighted things. Uh, even way back in week one, we said it very specifically. The kingdom is both alive and active, but it bears repeating as often as possible in gatherings of kingdom people. We, we need to be fully resolved that the king is alive and he has an agenda. He, he's working uh, things out for his good and for his will. And, and even though we may not be able to see it, we need to believe that the king has an active agenda. As we go into this morning, just a few points of clarity, uh, and these may sound like review also, but I, again, I think it's a good framework for us just in case today this is your first time here. Looking at this story, just some points of clarity for us. You and I, we are not the vineyard owner in this parable. Okay. In fact, I want to say this is a blanket statement. Anytime you look at the teachings of Jesus, if there isn't an authority figure in the story, he ain't talking about you and me. Okay. Every single time, it's a blanket statement across the board. It's true. And Jesus used authority in the life of the people of the day because they understood it, and we understand authority. But when he talked about authority, he wasn't giving a picture so you could say, yeah, I know how that feels. I've been there. No, 
We're not the, the vineyard owner. God is the vineyard owner. And the vineyard itself, another point of clarity, it represents a place of dominion and rule. If you own a vineyard, if this guy, as he owns the vineyard, he does what he wants with it. It's his rule. It's his place. It's his palace. A third point of clarity, the owner of the vineyard is God, and he is both alive and active. He's working in his vineyard. He's hiring or bringing in those who will work to accomplish his, pur- uh, his purposes. Notice what verse 1 says. We said it right off the bat. We read it. The, the vineyard owner went out early in the morning to do what? To hire workers, right? Verse 3 tells us uh, later that day he was passing through the marketplace Uh, We get down to verse 6. At 5 o'clock, he was in town again. He was doing what? He was doing what vineyard owners do. He he was handling the business of his vineyard. He was going and getting supplies. He he, he had a plan and, and was working out how that plan was going to be achieved. And part of that plan was to hire people to work in his vineyard. I want to say this to us clearly today, church. It will be increasingly important as the perception in our culture grows dim, it will be increasingly important that we remain faithfully and fully resolved that God is alive and active in this world. It, it, it will be increasingly important. I mean, let's do a little experiment, okay? This is going to be fun. Now, I've set it up, so it better be fun, right? <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun. I, I, I tested this out on a couple of people this week. This is, I'm kind of a little bit scared, honestly, but we'll see what happens here. Uh, I want you to say out loud the first sound that comes to your mind when I say the following phrase, okay? You can be with me? I'm going to say a phrase, whatever you think, as long as it's not vulgar. (laughs) Keep it clean, there's kids in the room, okay? Uh, Whatever you think, I want you to say the sound. You ready? Here we go. Election season. (laughs) (laughs) You know, here's a quick observation, a two-second observation. No one cheered. In fact, even if you made a sound, your body made a communication before your mouth ever uttered a word. Most of the people in here, now I'm not accusing you, if you love election season, that's great. It's weird, but it's great, okay? (laughs) Most of us, when I said the word election season and your brain comprehended it, your eyes went to the back of your head as quick as they could. Oh, Lord, that's coming again? Yeah. November 2016. That means there's going to be some nights you're going to walk in to turn on your favorite show. And guess what's going to be on? Presidential debate. And you're not going to be able to watch it. You're going to think, what? What is going on? See, here's the thing, okay? I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of election season. Here's the thing. No matter who wins, there's going to be a large group of people that says the right person didn't win, right? You seen that? It's just, it's true, it happens. Someone will say the wrong decision was made. There will be division, and division is often an entry point for for Satan to work in the hearts of well-meaning kingdom people. Even in the church, there'll be division, and and that's just what it is. Uh, And I think Satan will use that in some to create fear, loathing, anger, malice, resentfulness, uh, and all of these other things in the hearts of kingdom people that the king of the kingdom says to stay away from. Some in the church, I've seen this, will even go back to Romans 13, where Jesus, or excuse me, where, where scripture teaches that all authority has been ordained by God, and they'll get what I call uh, BGS, 
It's blame God syndrome. Remember, remember Adam from way back in Genesis? After they ate the fruit and God said, what did you do? What did Adam say? That woman, you gave her to me, God, and now we're here because of what you did. It's going to happen. It's going to be increasingly important, church, that as we go forward, whatever happens in society, we maintain and are fully resolved by faith and believe that our kingdom is ruled by a king who has an active agenda. I want to highlight for you briefly this morning some activity of the kingdom that I see here at Coastal Oaks Church. Did you know that from January through last Sunday, current numbers, 20 people have made professions of faith in Jesus Christ this year at Coastal Oaks Church? That's good, isn't it? Did you know that 16 of those have been baptized? We witnessed that last Sunday even to start off the worship service. 16 of those 20 people have been baptized. 29 people just this year have joined Coastal Oaks uh, by saying, I want to be a part. They've become a member. That's good. Okay? In all of 2013 and 2014, that's 730 days, okay, two years, 27 people made professions of faith here at Coastal Oaks. That's good. See how, where we are, though, 2014, or excuse me, 20, 2013, 2014, and now 2015. 20 this year, 27 in all of the previous two years. 21 of those 27 were baptized. 55 joined Coastal Oaks Church by membership. See, numbers don't mean a whole lot to us, church, but they are an indicator. And there's an indication that God is at work here. He's doing some things, and we may not understand, we may not fully even believe, but he's at work. He's at work. Did you know this year at Coastal Oaks Church, over $1 million will be spent building the kingdom? That's a big number. And I, I, just as I talk with people, I don't know how many of us even realize that. $601,000 in general budget expenditures, which by God's grace we will meet and exceed. Uh, each of the last, uh, I know, three years, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back a little further than that. We, we've met the budget that we've planned to meet. God has provided for us as a church. We've not gone without one day. One day. this year in general budget expenditures. $408,000 will be spent and is actually well underway uh, toward debt-free expansion and development with the building of our administration building over here. God is active. You see it? In 2015 alone, you have planned by your vote, by approving the budget, to give away $84,000 approximately to missions organizations and families. $84,000. That's about 14% of our overall budget. You know, as I talk to to other church leaders, uh, and and sometimes I'll just say this to you. Church leaders don't like to talk numbers because it becomes an instant comparison, okay? Your church is doing better or my church is doing worse. It's the only two options there usually with with church leaders. And that's not good, but that's the way it is, okay? Uh, And and so as I talk with people and and you get to develop relationships with uh, church leaders in the area, uh, you know, in other towns and that kind of stuff, if we get to this point where we talk about that which we give, I'm always surprised that the people I talk to are surprised that we give away so much. They say, 14%? You know, a tithe is only 10%, right? And my response is, yeah, yeah, it is. 
but we want to be generous. We, we want to go above and beyond what God has called us to do. And here's the truth of the matter. Even if we give away 14% of our budget every year, that still leaves 86% of the resources, just call it like that, money, whatever, 86% of the resources that God has given to his people right here to use for his glory and his purposes, still right here. Follow me? I want to say this to you and just kind of point out to you this morning some places in Scripture that that reinforce this idea that that the kingdom has a king with an active agenda. You can write these down. I think I left you some blanks today um, on your uh, your teaching notes. 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. says it like this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love the language there. The eyes of the Lord are searching. They're looking. Proverbs 15, 3 says something similar. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye on both both the evil and the good. If we get on into the New Testament in 1 Peter, 1 Peter has some really good things to say. 1 Peter 1, verses 24 and 25, Scripture says, People are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades. But listen, the word of the Lord remains forever. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. Even even Peter, the writer here, he recognizes that an Old Testament established clause is still good even in his day. The word of the Lord remains forever. Later in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, he says it like this. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ear is open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. That's a quote from Psalm chapter 34. See, we need to be resolved here, church. And maybe this is not an issue for you, but, but you're going to have an opportunity at some point to rub shoulders with someone else in the kingdom who doesn't have a rosy outlook on the kingdom like you might have. And you're going to have an opportunity to say, I don't know how they do things in your church, but I can see the activity of God, not just in my fellowship, not in my congregation, but in the world at large. We've got to be fully resolved here. Uh, You know, sometimes uh, I've found it true that if you say things, you speak them, your heart gets in line. And sometimes, even as you're speaking them, you think, I don't know if this is true, but, but the more you repeat it, your heart begins to believe it. So this morning, I crafted for us what I, I'm just going to call a public confession. After each section this morning, there's a, a public confession. That I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. Are you okay with that today? I don't, want, I don't want you to fall asleep on me, okay? So I figure if you're talking a little bit, you can't do that, right? I've always given people uh, neighbors to push their neighbors out in the uh, you know, aisle if they fall asleep in church anyways. So uh, don't be that guy, okay? So here's the thing. I'm going to repeat some lines. I'd like you to repeat them back to me. And when we get to the end of this, there's going to be uh, one blank for you to fill out. But I think it underscores what we need to believe as a church concerning the activity of God. You ready? One person is. All right. Maybe the rest of us will come along. I believe God is God. And I am not. I believe his ways are higher than my ways. I confess I do not understand God's ways. I will trust. I will not fear. I believe I am a part of God's plan. 
and this is where we're going to bring it home. I believe I, believe. I have a role in the kingdom. Say that again. I believe I, believe. I, have, a I have a role in the kingdom. We started off talking about restaurants today. We're not talking about those kind of roles, okay? Just want to make sure you're clear on that. You have a part. You have a role in the kingdom. And I hope you understand that today, that we all have a part. Because the second truth is very simple, but it goes along with the first. In the kingdom, the only acceptable uniform is the apron. In the kingdom, the only acceptable uniform is the apron. Go back to our verses, Matthew chapter 20. In each case where someone was invited into the vineyard, what were they invited to the vineyard to do? Verse 2 says what? They were sent out to work, right? Verse 5 says, so they went to work in the vineyard. And at noon and at 3 o'clock, the vineyard owner went out and he did the same thing. He saw people and he said, you, I want to hire you. You come work in my vineyard. Verse 7, the five different times throughout this passage, invitations were given, were extended from the vineyard owner to workers to come in and to work in the vineyard. Highlights for us today, I believe, the dress code that's commonly seen by those who would be known as kingdom people. And I want to say it clearly to us today that the only acceptable uniform in the kingdom is the apron. It's the apron. It paints a really good picture for what it is we are supposed to do. Could you imagine a Wall Street tycoon showing up to work one day in board shorts and reef sandals? Probably would not be taken very seriously, would he? What, what, about, what about a pro football player who wants to take the field, but he refuses to put on his helmet and his pads? He's going to hurt, isn't he? <laughs> He's going to be in pain real soon. What, what about a surfer? Imagine a surfer trying to get up on his board in the middle of a competition in a pair of good old Wranglers. Ain't going to happen, is it? It's going to be difficult. See, see it matters that we uh, get in uniform, so to speak, this morning, that we, that we put on the apron and that we serve in the kingdom because wearing the uniform of the team on which you serve or work is the clearest sign that you're on the team. No one has to ask. The, the people that all dress alike on a football team and they have the same logos on the side of their helmet, it, it implies. We don't even have to ask. They're working together. And the apron does that for us today. I want to say this just in case it's not clear to us today. We're not actually physically talking about aprons, okay? I didn't bring aprons for us all today. I look too, too expensive. You get the point, right? This is a mentality, this is the server's mentality whereby uh, the, the server serves in a manner in which Christ the king, the owner of the vineyard, is honored because we give back to him the most precious thing that we can give, our life. Where then and how does one serve in the kingdom? Now, I want to take a minute and just highlight the faithfulness of some of those who serve here at Coastal Oaks. Uh, many, many, many people serve well. I'm so thankful, so thankful that uh, I get to be surrounded by people who, who believe, who are fully resolved that, that Christ is king and that nothing that happens in our world is ever going to change that. 
and that there is hope in Christ because I run in circles with other um, pastors and they don't have that same luxury. It is a luxury. I'm, I don't take that for granted. Many serve well, but you know, right now, right now there's a group of people whose names I do not know, whose faces I cannot see, but they're taking care of our babies, our kids right now. They do it well. They do it a lot. You know, some of the ladies, most of them are ladies, not all, but some of those ladies have been serving in children's ministry for 30, 40, 50 years. That's honorable. Not because they've lasted that long, but because they serve well. And they believe that wiping noses and bottoms is the best service they can give. That they honor Christ with that, even. I'm thankful to serve uh, this past two years, or th- maybe closer to three now, with a very faithful and, and talented and, 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 and devoted group of people in student ministry. A couple of them have moved on to other things now. There's some holes God will provide. I want to say this to you, church, okay? Because inevitably, you're going to have an opportunity to serve. In fact, let me say it differently. If God calls you to serve, and he has, God is going to call you to be uncomfortable. Most of the time, when God calls someone to serve, he made them, he knows their talents, he knows their gifts, and he says, you know what? That's a great foundation, but I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to go to some place that you would not have ever thought. In fact, I want to say this to us clearly today, church. If there is a circumstance that you can perceive in your mind that you would say, God, I won't serve there, then I want to say to you, you stand in opposition to the king because he will call you and he will make you uncomfortable if by nothing else, by pure fatigue, Any tired people in the room today? Any parents in the room today? You notice in the in the verses that we looked at this morning, the kingdom, the the people that the vineyard owner called in to the vineyard, none of them asked for a different job, did they? They were invited to work, they went to work. Inevitably, because the jobs in a vineyard are going to be various. They're not just doing one thing. They're doing whatever the vineyard owner says. What an application for us today. Not only do we believe we have a role in the kingdom, but to accomplish that role, we've got to be willing to serve. Kingdom people, listen, if this is you, Kingdom people are not called to be spectators and speculators, but participators and motivators. You follow that? We're not called to sit on the sidelines. We're not called to give our best critique of the things that other people are willing to go do for the kingdom. We're called to participate, to get our hands dirty, to motivate others to join the team. I've been reading a book recently. Actually, I read it a long time ago, but I was reminded about a particular section from a Chuck Lawless book called Nobody's for Jesus. He says there's 14 things a person can do in the span of just two weeks to be more involved in the Great Commission. 
We call it the kingdom. I want to read six of them for you today, just briefly, because they, 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 they speak to this, what we're talking about. He says, in order to be more involved in the kingdom, you have to first let go of your name. He says, secondly, get over your achievements. Thirdly, be aware of greatness. Fourth, be honest about your sin. Fifth, be willing to be broken. We just talked about that, the stretching, the brokenness, the the discomfort. And lastly, give up yourself. I'm going to read those again. In order to be more involved, in in order to serve in the kingdom, you've got to let go of your name. You've got to get over your achievements. You've got to beware of greatness. Be honest about your sin. Be willing to be broken and give up yourself. Chuck Swindoll, in his groundbreaking book, Improving Your Serve, he speaks of the server as a giver mentality. He says the server in the kingdom serves with excellence because they believe fully, they are resolved that the service that they are offering in the kingdom is not needed by the king, but it's the best offering they could give. They they, they understand the relationship between God and man where they say, God, I don't have anything that you don't already own. But I'm willing to be involved. I'm willing to get in. I'm willing to go where you called me to go. And I'm okay with discomfort because I know you're going to call me to those places. I would say to us, to two groups of people this morning, those who are currently serving, those who are not. Let's go with the currently serving group first. If that's you, keep serving. If that's you, serve with excellence fully believing that every action reflects is, or is honorable unto King Jesus. If you're not currently serving in the kingdom anywhere, can I encourage you this morning? Grab an apron. Grab an apron. The, the, the joy that comes from serving the king far exceeds any discomfort, any fear, Grab an apron. Listen to me, church. We can't sit in another 30 years worth of Sunday school classes and Bible studies and at the end of that 30 years say, I know Jesus. I I, I have an intimate relationship with God. We, We can't do that for another 30 years if all we're going to do is study the Bible and not back it by the actions that the Bible portrays for us. You follow that? Wasn't it Jesus himself who said in Matthew 9, the harvest is great, but what? The workers are few. Do you know, are you familiar with that verse? Paul says to the Philippian church in chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your, only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God was something to cling to. Listen to this, verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And then when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself again in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You see... Here's the unique thing about the kingdom that we, that, we, that we represent, that the church represents. The king has set the standard for service. 
He's not asking us to do anything that he wasn't fully willing to do and has already done. He depicted that by giving himself on a cross and dying a criminal's death. Although scripture very clearly says he was not a guilty man. He was not a guilty man. Are you ready for another personal confession? This one's a lot shorter. You're welcome. You ready? I believe my king has called me to serve. Do you believe that today? Hope so. Let's look lastly. The last point we want to emphasize today, that in the kingdom, the only reward is Christ. In the kingdom, the only reward is is Christ. We go back to our foundational scripture, Matthew chapter 20. We get toward the end of the story there in verses 10, 11, and 12. And the vineyard workers, the guys who were hired at the very beginning of the day, it's time to get paid. And so the, uh, the, 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 the vineyard owner tells his foreman, he says, call the guys in and let's, let's pay them. But you pay the last guys hired first. And you pay them a full day's wage. Because I want to be generous. I want to be good to those guys. And so they go, they start at the, at, with the guys who were hired in the last hour, really, of the work day. And they pay them a full day's wage. And they start working backwards and they get to the guys who had been there the longest. And they pay them what they agreed to pay them on. What happens? They start grumbling. Wait, hold, hold on. We just get a day, we just get... A day's wage? We were here all day, and those guys were there for just an hour. There's no way that their work could be equal to the the slave labor that I've been doing all day. And Jesus, as he tells the story, responds as the vineyard owner would respond. I haven't been unfair to you. This is what we agreed upon. When you came into my vineyard to work, you came in under contract for a day's wage. The guys at the end of the day, they didn't come in under contract. I hired them in the last hour of the day. They came in under grace. I I know, I mean, really, do do you think God didn't know, or the vineyard owner didn't know that he wasn't getting his money's worth out of those guys hired in the last hour? He knew. He was showing us as his people, that which he values. Do you remember the story from Luke chapter 9? There, there's a, a man that comes and he proclaims very loudly, very openly in front of others. He says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. That's a, that's a bold statement. It really is. I mean, it's a blank check, essentially. Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus gives him a really short but clear response, seeing the man's heart. He says this. He says, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man, which is me, which is Jesus is saying this, has no place to lay his head. What in the world does that mean? Well, what's a hole for a fox? A hole for a fox is home. A nest for a bird is home. It's comfort. It's a place you retreat to. It's a place you can be protected from. The weather, the storms, 
the unexpected things in life. And Jesus said to that man that day, you get nothing to follow me. Don't come into my vineyard if we could move it up into the story that we've looked in today. You want a day's wage. That's what we contracted upon. That's what you get. I think that in the church, um, sometimes we fall into this what about me attitude. We forget that Jesus is all we need. Sometimes as we build our kingdoms, and as we start to see the cracks in the foundation and that anxiety comes up within us and we begin to utter those prayers to God, God, save us. God, help me. We get into this place where we can easily think that it's about me. I want to say this to you very clearly today, church. Be cautious of the what about me attitude that sometimes comes out in undertones. Be cautious. Be cautious of it in your own heart. If you hear it come out in someone else's language, I think you're fully resolved in Scripture today to be able to address that and say, it's not what we're here for. We're not here for what about me. We're here for what about Christ. I believe truly today that the what about me attitude must die in the church. Remember we started this off by saying the kingdom has a king already. He's not taking applications. To those who have served in the church a long time, I I want to tread lightly today, but I want to say clearly, I love you and I am grateful for the years of service that you have given here at Coastal Oaks Church or other churches, the, the ways you've invested in the kingdom. But listen to me. This, this applies for all of us, really. Seniority does not equate to heavenly favor. Just because you've been here the longest, God doesn't look down from heaven and go, man, that one's a blessed one right there. He's incredible. She's awesome. She's the one I needed. It doesn't work that way. The standard of service in the kingdom does not diminish over time. And we see that in the example of Christ Jesus, who what scripture records says, he, he gave up his, he didn't, he didn't even give up, excuse me, he gave up his own life. He didn't hold anything back. He atoned for my sin, for our sin, with his very flesh and blood. How then should one serve who serves to reflect that Christ is a great reward. I, I want to give you four just brief things as we wrap up today. Uh, four ways that you can serve in a manner that will reflect that Christ is a great reward. Uh, firstly, with anonymity. With anonymity. Serve in such a way that you don't care if you get credit or not. Does that make sense to you? Serve in such a way in the kingdom that you don't care whether or not you get credit. More importantly, you care that God gets the credit. Serve with anonymity. Serve with generosity. Whatever's required, go beyond. Go above and beyond. Give generously. Serve generously. Thirdly, with tenacity. Inevitably, as you serve, God's going to stretch you. He's going to call you to something that you would not have ever imagined. Serve with tenacity. Don't give up when it gets difficult. Don't don't bow out. Don't chicken out. Don't let fear rule. 
Serve with tenacity. Lastly, serve with grace. Serve with grace. You're going to serve some folks in the kingdom. If today you decide to put on the apron, you're going to serve some folks that are in the kingdom and you don't know why. In fact, they may act like they don't belong to the kingdom and shouldn't be here. Serve with grace. Last confession. You ready? I believe Christ is enough. I believe Christ is enough. Do you believe that today? How does one get into serving in the kingdom? Well, really, it's just with two things, and this is where we're going to talk about in our commitment time. So I would just say this is a good place to rest for us today. Do you see it? The kingdom dress code? The, the apron? Are you willing to serve? I hope so. I hope so. Let's pray together.